Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are here to discuss another win by Sunderland as they now got 12 games unbeaten, 10 in the league and an EFL trophy in the cabinet while they are at it. Different kind of win this one. Joining myself tonight, Stephen Goldsmith is Gareth Barker, of course, as always. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Well, 12 games you, you unbeaten. You, Let's have you some... Think, uh, you think, you think you'd be prepared for this, Gareth? I do it every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, you only say it like we've been doing for eight years. You can only say hello a certain way so many times, can't you? Just trying, think to think of a, trying to think of a better way to say it, but no, there, there isn't. There is. This is your task for the next week, is to come up with inventive ways to say hello. Yeah. That's bit, not just other languages. You need, like, I, 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 well, this is for a you to figure language. out in the next week. <laughs> Esperanto. Ah, there you go. That's the voice of Craig Clark as well, who's joining us um, to discuss current goings on. We don't have uh, a midweek game to preview, do we? So we'll, no. we'll probably just look at um, the the minutes that have just been put out by Aaron White Army and the other groups involved in that meeting with the, with the new owner and just talk about something going forward and try and be optimistic about that. It was good timing, really, on that mm. front that they came out of there. Or we've had to think about something else um so are you okay craig yeah i'm pretty good thanks not bad good, good. Yeah. keep it going keep it going keep a small talk going oh well what do listeners want to hear well you can't ask people what they're doing on a weekend because you can't do it out so. well I did nothing this weekend just uh n- normally I, I what i do is i run on a week i run through the week but on a weekend i'll up my distance by a couple of kilometers so i did 15 kilometers last weekend which was me all-time high and I didn't this week. I did nothing this week, and though I needed a, a break from that. Mm-hmm. So when you have a break from running, because there's been absolutely but all else to do, you just do pretty much nothing. <laughs> That's good. That sounds good. Well, we can play footy again now, can't we? We'll play footy again now. So that's something yeah. to look forward to. People getting five sides going and stuff like that. Not today, yeah. is it? Hey, I think so, yeah. I, I know a couple of lads who were playing. I think Matthew maybe, maybe oh, was saying he's playing, but a couple of other mates who are. I play football oh, with well, they've mentioned go. it. So that's something to look forward to as well. It is. Do we have a promotion run to look forward to? That's the question. That's the question we all uh, have. <laughs> We're already um, on it. I'll look at we we well, this is it. We'll we look at Sunderland's just position in the league and that, but we'll um talk about the match first. Um specifically. A difficult Difficult game this one, and for a lot of other reasons. Not that it was because it was against a side who were up there and and competing with, but um, Joy Barton bizarrely gets all of his players up for whenever they play Sunderland. It is the first time we've beaten them. They were physical. I think they were they, they were quite good in terms of winning the second ball, putting us under pressure. A physical team. Do we think that the midweek rest really helped us? Because I do. I think it was really significant because I think they could have been out on their feet had they not had that had that little break because a few people have said it, but I don't think we would have won this game last season or the season before. Would you agree with that, Gareth? Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they they did sort of give us a game. and I, I don't think it's just, you know, Joey Barton getting his teams up. You know, I think generally we do see to still have that issue. Well, not an issue, but the fact that we're Sunderland, I think, does motivate the opposition. Um, I think teams do naturally raise the game against us. Um, and that's something, obviously, we've had to encounter through the whole time we've been in League One. So, you know, the, rarely does a team absolutely chuck it in against us. We usually have to, like, grind them down. And, um, but, yeah, um, the, the, the break might have helped. I mean, you, any rest at this stage is going to help, isn't it? Um, because we've played so many games. You know, it feels weird not to have that midweek game and then have another week coming where, yeah, we've got two games on the bounce this weekend with it being the Easter fixture. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, especially with the injuries as well, you know, the players coming back. That's the key, um, isn't it? The injury thing. Um, I think when you talk, I think it gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? Oh, we would have drawn that last time, last season, season before. And yeah, we did draw a lot of games under Jack Ross and to an extent Parkinson as well. But we also won a lot of games. So no, we wouldn't have drawn that last season all the time. 
But I do think this weekend, when you look at the back four we had out and the way they played, the I actually do think, yeah. I think uh, we would have probably chucked it last season. I think we're a much more resilient outfit. Um, the goalkeeper did well again. He made a good save. Yeah, he did. Um, did everybody's heart jump when Jack Baldwin got that header in? <laughs> you just got visions. It wasn't a very good header. It was a very weak header, but you just got visions of Burge. Like he hasn't made a mistake mm. in a while, actually. Like, but you just got visions of like <laughs> that ball just bouncing and squirming between his legs and Baldwin running away celebrating. That's uh, just <laughs> yeah. what the happen. fan does to you. So. And, uh, to, to be honest, in, uh, and I think second half as well, in particular, we uh, we started to control the game more. And we missed a few chances, didn't we? Yeah. Um, where the yeah, second, you know, you know, we, we just took a one only half chance really of the first half, and I and, and I think we were probably all again worrying, thinking, are we going to pay for for missing these chances because our quality did start to shine through. Um, O'Brien scored the winner. He's he's the difference, really, isn't he? In terms of um, certainly linking up play from midfield to attack. Um, we didn't think early on in the season, Craig, did we? That we would be all saying how important he was to Sunderland, but he's feeling like that now. Well, I was. On the preview preview show last week, I think I was remiss to say White isn't a good loan striker. Period, because that that's not true. When we beat Doncaster, he obviously had, he scored a lot of goals in that game, and he was very good. But in that team, we had like a midfield that was much more dynamic. Now against Lincoln, he didn't look as good without O'Brien, and that has been true in several other games this season. And I think that O'Brien. I mean, the goal, actually, I know he kind of shinned it, but it, it wasn't an easy chance to finish. I thought he did well to control mm. it. But I actually think his all-round game was excellent, and I think it's been like that since Lee Johnson came in for the most part. He, he's been a difference maker, to be fair to Johnson now. You know, we put that thing out on Twitter about his first, what was it, 15 games? You've got to give him a lot 12, of credit think, since yeah. then. He's, he's, he's looked at it. He's gone, I hate the phrase, but he's kind of gone back to basics. Yeah. It's been 4-4-2. But O'Brien is the absolute key. There were moments in that game on the weekend where the ball was coming off White. He was knocking it down or he was chesting it down. He Maybe he's heavy, had a little bit of a heavy touch occasionally. Who's there? Aidan O'Brien. Every single time. When he doesn't play, that doesn't happen. And I just think between now and the end of the season, he is... I agree, Stephen. We wouldn't have said this under Parkinson because he didn't know how to use him. And this manager does... And I would argue he is one of the probably three or four key players in the running. Don't know what you think, Gareth, but that, that, I think he's that important. I would agree. Um, and I think, you know, the fact he's been out injured, I, I don't think, I don't think enough, again, you know, because we've got a big squad and, you know, we've got a lot of players in there that other clubs, you know, it's all the cliches get trotted out, don't they? Like, oh, well, other clubs would be like, delighted that they have, um, you know, this player available, that player available. And I was listening to the D3, D4 pod and they were on about Lincoln and how, um, you know, they've been like battered by injuries to the extent, you know, like where it's like completely derailed the season and all this. And that could have easily happened to us. And, you know, yeah, we talked about the defence earlier, but from an attacking perspective, you know we've missed we've missed O'Brien like in the in the games he's been out, um. So, but we've still managed to get results. Name um, another team in this league that could put a back four out like we have, where you've got two midfielders in there. Yeah. Who who else? If this was happening to Lincoln, it's a good point you raised there, Gareth. Right? Because can you imagine? No one's talking about it, other really. No one's. Yeah. Re- I, mean, I know. I know. People have commented on the fact maybe we should have signed a right back, and I still believe if there was a right back available, we, we should have done that. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think another team in this division could play the back four of mid midfielders and you know people out of position like we have and, and have continued in this fashion. I just don't think they would have had have, the talent to have the you know the best defensive record in the league. Incredible. You know with. The injuries we've had in defence is amazing. Like it is, it, and it, it's a testament, and not just those players, but f- like for people like O'Brien, like you say. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's somebody who's always around the ball, picking up that second ball, which means like we've got relief once we re- once we get the ball into their half. We've got somebody who's going to hold it. 
you, there was a brilliant passage of play in the first half where he like managed to carry the ball about 40 yards um, and he beat about three players, but like not skillfully. I mean, not obviously skillfully, like he was doing all sorts of tricks and turns. He was just protecting the ball, knocking it one side of the defender when he needed to, and he got us about 40 yards up the pitch. And that's why you don't concede as many goals because if you don't, if you win those second balls and get the ball into like positive areas in the final third for you, and then you can reset, then you're not going to be seeing the ball coming back on you and back on you over over again. Um, this is what this is what Johnson's got right as well. We're not we're not keeping clean sheets by playing a type of football that like Jack Ross eventually resorted to, and then Parkinson. It was his bread and butter, which was this kind of negative defensive setup. We're playing with two strikers out-and-out strikers, and we're playing with out-and-out attacking wingers like Aidan McGeady and Lyndon Gooch on the pitch and playing Gooch. In, I know Gooch will work hard, and I have to be honest, I think McGeady's work rate and his tracking back is absolutely incredible, but they are out-and-out attacking players, and we're playing that in front of a back four midfielders, isn't it? It's centre-back and full-back, and we're still not conceding goals. And yeah, Burge made that one really good save on the weekend, but he's, he's largely been very well protected. Mm. So the way he set the team up is to attack and to get the ball high up the pitch. And that is working, as you say, Gareth. It, it, it helps us defensively. In So we're playing an attacking brand of football that benefits defensively, yeah. which is none of the managers that have preceded him have, have come close to getting it right like that. And I think, again, the credit to Lee Johnson in figuring that out where others haven't figured it out, it's testament to the job yeah. he's done at the club. You, you, we have to be giving him huge amounts of credit at this point, Definitely. in my opinion. Lots of factors are going on, isn't there? You, you mentioned there, I think, that the manager and the, and, and the system has helped with it. You said the personnel, Craig, there has helped with it because just because the quality, I think, individual quality some of our players have at this league. So you've got... A, a midfielder like Luke O'Neill, a midfielder like Max Power, who are good enough to go and slot into that back four when other squads might not have them. But I think what it says to us more than anything is momentum is very hard to stop in football generally, whether it's downward momentum or whether it's upward momentum. And it just shows that I think, you know, we, we, we are almost in a position where you can put any of the squad in and they're just cracking on with it and believing that they're going to win the game of football when they go out and play. And we've all, there were lower levels, much, much lower levels played in teams like that when you're in a good team. And you go through phases where you think it doesn't matter who we pick the day we're going to win. Um, when you're not going through good phases, you, you know, you try different things and you can't seem to get anything right. So we need to hope it continues, don't we? Because we've got some tough games coming up. I think that's, we, that's we something are. to consider as well. We do have some tough games coming up, but... You know, we've got half our games are against teams in the top half of the table and half of them are against teams in the bottom half of the table. Obviously, we play Blackpool twice and we've got um, Oxford and Hull and Peterborough. And then the other half are against teams in the bottom half of the table now. So, I mean, it's it's funny, isn't it? I mean, there's a bit of a narrative at the moment around Blackpool. It always kind of, it, I always kind of feel this every sort of like... 10 game period in the league there's always like a team everyone starts going like oh we've got to watch out for them it was Doncaster at the start of the previous cycle um, and now it's Blackpool everyone's like talking about Blackpool they're going to be a threat and all this and watched the Blackpool game the other night against um, Peterborough where they won and they were alright they were neat and tidy um, but I mean the the and they beat Peterborough comfortably, but they weren't like I wasn't like thinking, oh, look at these, like these are like gonna rip like cause us lots of problems. You know, I just didn't feel I just didn't feel that watching it. And I just thought I like, think it's because there's think, normally think... a team, isn't there, that make a late charge. So people are yeah, maybe, but... maybe people are maybe looking for that rather than like reflecting on how black people are playing. Maybe they're maybe they're like looking for that because it normally happens. Portsmouth to be fair. Yeah. Well I think <laughs> Port- well, Portsmouth, Portsmouth to be one to watch because their running is the best running of everybody. Every game that they've got against the team in the bottom half of the table. So you know if anyone's gonna come up steam and it'll be them because they've got decent players. Um and a manager now who, who but, knows this league. Um I kind of think my point more is it's, you know, watching those teams and seeing how they played. We just, we don't have anything to fear. Like I don't, I don't, I feel as though we're superior. 
I agree with that. I just feel as though we're a superior team this season. Like our our recent run and the way we've played proved proved that we've taken what two point six points per game from our last ten. I mean, we've dropped two points. Sorry, we've dropped four points in our last ten games. Like that's that's ridiculous. I mean, in promotion seasons previous, we've done similar things, but it'll be up there with one of our best runs in in a very very long time. Um, to replicate that again over the last ten is going to be difficult because the task in itself, like well, or the the, the uh, what we've achieved in the the previous ten games is not easy to do. Um, and if they managed, you know, now we've put ourselves in a position really where two points per game could well get you promoted automatically. Um, and you'd you would fancy us to get those that two points per game, even with having to play a few of the teams in the top half of the table. And we get rid of two of them this week and coming anyway. Once we've played Oxford and Peterborough, they're, they're out there's yeah. two out the way. It is mad that we're even sitting in a situation like this, aren't we? Where we're like, okay, I'm almost back to thinking now we need to get up this season because you're thinking about Sheffield Wednesday coming down this year. Mm-hmm. You're thinking about if, 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 yeah, Birmingham teams like that. It, it, also, who's here now if Portsmouth um, don't go up this year, um, even though you know that that could still happen. Ipswich as well. They both have two good managers that we would have been happy with now this season. You think they're going to be stronger next year? Because we 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 were way we off, weren't we? You know, even as far as January, even as close as January, we were we were way off. But you now are starting to think, God, I hope they get over the line this year. We've we've mentioned a lot about this league in comparison to two years ago. I don't think we can really speak about last season's because it got cut short. Um, yeah. And 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 t- t- two years ago is the, is the barometer, barometer really. Um, Hull now have played thirty eight games, which is what you'll play in the Premier League. Um, they're on seventy points, which would never have won any team a Premier League title. Um, you would normally you're looking at winning the Premier League. You would normally be eighties, top eighties. Yeah. A good team gets to the nineties. Just looking at two years ago, Luton after 38 games now would be 10 points clear of Hull. With That's what incredible. Their return was. Um, Sunderland, after you know, after Hull playing 38, this time basically last season, Sunderland had only played 37 and they were on 73 points, so we would be top as well. Um, it took Luton just 33 games to get to 70 points, where Hull are at now. It took Barnsley 35, it took Sunderland 36 points. Portsmouth after 38 games, one point better off. So two years ago, Hull, after 38 games with their points return, will be fifth. It is a lot. I mean, it really does. They've lost 11 games or something, haven't they? But I think, I mean, we all knew that, you know, the the Sunderland, those four teams were better than the rest of the league comfortably that season, weren't they? Yep. But they were actually so much better that they would all be better than the teams this season <laughs> around, this season, uh, this time round. Uh, Portsmouth are looking at that, you know, I was just having a look at the sort of the, the graph around points per game and all that stuff. And all around Portsmouth, they're around that, where Portsmouth were for the majority of, of the second half of that season. So that's the kind of level they're at, really. So it does show that if we can go on one of these runs then you would hope, you know, as long as they sustain the form of the short throughout the season, you might even not have to do as much as, as, as you I, know, I just, would. Like, you, like you've alluded to that, Gareth, with, you know, perhaps two points a game, does it? Well, two uh, points I, a game for yeah. us gives us 87, two points but, a game for Hull gives them 86, doesn't it? So. 87 is enough, definitely, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to need... The, these teams, like you've said, you, the, the fact that all of us are where we are after this number of games tells you all you need to know about the overall quality of the league. But we've got better players in this squad who just haven't shown the quality under previous managers, um, particularly Parkinson, or they weren't involved in the case of McGeady. And we've got players to come back, which is a big thing as well. So Josh Scowan, for example, I know can frustrate people quite a lot. Well, imagine you're free Luke O'Neill to take his place in midfield to do a similar type of job. Um, you you free up Max Power to play at the base of midfield, which he did excellently against Doncaster because you've got Conor McLaughlin back. Just little things like that. Do you know what I mean? It it, it changes the dynamic. Jordan Jones putting crosses in again. 
Now, Lyndon Gooch has been a little indifferent, but he played he played well enough on the weekend, I thought, and he's he's always liable to pop up with a goal. But imagine you've got Jordan Jones as another option to come back. You've got Denver Hume, who can be getting up that left wing, overlapping with McGeady. Suddenly, there's a dual threat on the left. McFadzian's dug in, and I think he's improved, and he, he's contributed, obviously, an important goal last week. But Hume's another level of potential to him. It, the fact is that we've got players to come back and improve on what we've already got, that's already done what you've just been saying in terms of a run of results. There is nothing that suggests to me we can't take 20 points from those games. I just think, I, I, it feels to me, barring some kind of disaster where we trip up in one game and the arse drops out of them, which I, I just don't think will happen, but say it did, and we lose three or four, all right, maybe you're a bit worried then. I just think we can easily win five games and draw five. That's a funny thing, isn't it? Because all for the main criticism of Sunderland in League One for the last however long has been, we, we never don't win enough games on the bounce. It's always win one, draw one, win one, draw one. And you'd rather, you know, win one, lose one sometimes instead of drawing all the games. But now we know that if we did win one, draw one at the end of the season, we'd likely good. get, <laughs> especially if you drew with Hull and Peterborough, I mean, now a point is the position we've got ourselves into now from from here, looking forward, a point is Hull and a point of Peterborough as good as a win for us, in my opinion. Because, I feel that way as well. Because we, we've got the game, we've got the games in hand. We just have to make sure that we see we we don't let those two teams get away from us. We keep them in check because they'll 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 be looking at our game and going, we need to beat them really. Because if we don't, you know, we, we it's a missed opportunity for us. Whereas I think we get out of those the point. You know, we we we, we stop them winning another game, and we've got games in hand on them. So well, we used confidence is two years ago. I'm just looking at the table again and looking at Sunderland's collapse <laughs> <laughs> towards the end of that season because we were in a really strong position, now, like similar position, third games in hand, in form, but you know, and and and. Confident and in Sunderland's last nine games, I've got 12 points. Um, I thought we'd go up under, I thought we'd, we'd had, had a good chance of going up under even under Parkinson. Um, and then we we knacked it up in that, those two get in the two games because the because the um, well, if we'd if we'd beaten Bristol City, wouldn't we have gone up on like points per game? Bizarre, isn't it? And like we we. we Against Gillingham, we we concede that goal in the last minute. We'll we'll probably two results from being promoted under Parkinson. Like we were, like the, yeah, it's crazy. So we had it. We did have a chance. The league was again wasn't tremendous last season. I don't think. Um, what encourages so, well, what encourages me is that this manager is getting a tune out of the players in a way. You know, under Ross, it by it started better than it than the season ended. I know that's proven by the statistics that you've just said there, but there was a demonstrable difference in the style of play. I think we've pointed to it a number of times, but that four was it four two win in the end at home to Barnsley. That style of football had disappeared long before the last nine games. Whereas with Johnson, it's the other way. He, he sort of, you know, he, he had to feel his way into the job and find what his way of playing was going to be to get the best out of this group. And even as you alluded to a number of times, but he didn't allude to it, Gareth, he stated it explicitly. And I think it's an astute point looking back, even while we weren't looking particularly great. And yeah, we lost some frustrating games. We were picking up points. And how valuable are those points now that we are playing well? And that's the difference. We've gone up in gears. We're not stalling like we did under Ross. We've, I, I've, I, you do raise a good point, though, Steve, because I was confident under Ross that I think that we would, we would probably cobble it together and go up. But you look at the form table, of the and yeah, Hull are up there with us at the top of the last six games. We've won five, drawn one. They've won four and drawn two. But Peterborough, uh, nowhere to be seen. The thirteenth, they've. Won two, drawn one, and lost three. Now, if you split that up into home and away form, their home form's the best in the league. Won five, lost one over the last six. Um, but in term and in, in terms of we're second in that in that table. 
when you look at the away form table, Peterborough's way down in ninth. Unfortunately, we've got to play them away. So that is going like to be nice, A nice, juicy 7-0 win can often uh, well, do they... wonders for the confidence as well. But, but Hull's home form isn't great. So we've got nothing f- to fear there. They've won three, drawn one and lost two in the last six at home. So there's a perfect... If you look at those two fixtures, you might think overall Peterborough, yeah, they're, they're flaky. We know they're a flaky club. But at home, they've obviously got something which is a little bit trickier. Hull on the other gra- hand... They certainly haven't got any grass. Well, well, yeah, well, that's part of it, isn't it? Yeah. Pitch. I was talking to um, my um, mate who supports Doncaster yesterday, who's from Doncaster. They've got Peter Bray to play twice, and he said they Peter was bogey team, or they have been in the last few years. Yeah. That could be handy. Haven't they got them playing twice in the last three games? They've got, but definitely got them twice. I don't know when they've got. They've when got them twice in the last three. That's incredible. Don't Peter and Doncaster mm. play each other twice in the last three. Mm. I, I, won- I mean, that was well and truly come on. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, look at the, the Blackpool. I don't think we need to worry about a single one of these teams catching us from below. If anyone below us is going to catch us, it means we're in the playoffs because we've completely bottled it. Yeah. So what you want to worry about is the teams below you in terms of form, in terms of having to play them. When you look at Blackpool, they are doing very well and they've done excellently to get themselves in the top six, but they're drawing a lot of games. And again, it's actually, when you look at it, it's their away form. They've won five and lost one across the last six away games. At home, there's nothing for us to fear. They've won one and drawn five of the last six Sunderland home games. Are 10 points clear of Blackpool and eight points clear of Portsmouth. Even if those two teams make late charges, it would, oh. like you say, it would be a spectacular blow up on our part. For it's the plain Blackpool. What yeah, points can well, they take off us? I think, weirdly, because they did do us a favour in beating Peterborough at home. Five draws in the last six home games. I mean, that's one got draw written all over it, given our, you know, kind of propensity to draw games. But it's the game we've got against them. The other fixture, Even just if it based... Six points off us, they're, still, they're still four points behind us. No, but that, it's more what damage that would do to our promotion. Yeah, I mean, it means you've suddenly got to beat probably Hull and Peterborough if you lose both of those. I think you can afford to draw all four of those games. And yeah. be all right, you know. I've I've got I've, my view is win six, draw two of your last of our you last go. um fixtures, and I think we'll be fine. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't seem that intimidating, really, when you think you know win half win half your games, um, to get promoted in your last ten, and you know you've got to play Wigan, Plymouth. Northampton. Funnily enough, we haven't beaten any of those teams this season. We've only taken one point from those three fixtures, but you know. We hadn't beaten Bristol, right. had we? We're that's all right, in it. Yeah. yeah, and we beat them because it's a different Sunderland at the moment. I would fancy us to beat anyone in this league, like you said. And I think when you look at the form table, yeah, Blackpool could prove a problem. Peterborough are clearly a good home side, so we are going to have a stiff test there. Yeah. I think Hull are there to be beaten, you know. I, I really think we can beat Hull. I've always had it in my mind, Peterborough and Sutherland will be the two to go up. I know Peterborough, what you were saying about their form and stuff, Craig, but they've normally had their wobble well before now and fallen well off the radar. Yeah. And I think um, I, I think in terms of quality of, of, of the goal threat they've got, I, I almost feel like Hull have, are there by default almost just because the rest of the league haven't got the act together. Um, <laughs> it's almost a shame that their fans aren't there because they're only like one bad result from massively turning on the team because they, they don't like the manager. It's not, you know, despite yeah, them being yeah. top of the league, that's not a happy place at the moment, Hull. Um, mm. So, you know, and, and you wish the fans were there at the stadium as well just to give them that little, little bit of a boost. But every club would say that, wouldn't they? Um, I think no, it, but you know what's there? But this a rocking stadium, I like in a promotion run-in versus yeah. any of these piddly clubs in this division, there'd be nothing like it. You'd be getting, because the momentum is building, fans would, you know, say we were averaging between 25 and 30, right? You'd be getting 35s in now. You'd be talking about getting 40 in for some of these bigger games. Do you know what I mean? The place would be a different, it would be so different to what we've had in this division. The odd night in the odd game, we've had some big, big crowds, but this is, this is it. It's a, it just feels so much more like championship promotion seasons that we've had where the place does have a buzz about it. Yeah. And, and I don't think anyone in this league 
can replicate that. It may be Portsmouth. And, 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 that, and, that's, and, that, and that's come for because of this late surge, hasn't it? So when we mentioned under Jack Ross, we thought it was steady. We were always kind of just yeah. on the court on the court tails of both Luton and Barnsley, never quite doing enough. We were like third or fourth, and you know, us and Portsmouth tussling for third and fourth, and always just behind. And I think it was sustained, wasn't it? And all, all, all towards the end, we had a couple of results where if, if you thought, right, we're going to do this now because the, because of the games in hand and our form, this has been a late surge. We were nowhere near. We were nowhere. People I didn't know. think we were going to be in the play. When we lost to, to Plymouth at home and, you know, Johnson had 12 games and he's, his run was the same as Parkinson's and Ross's last 12, people were thinking we weren't going to get in the playoffs. And, because momentum's come quite quickly, you do get that little bit of a buzz and a little bit of a spark, don't you? Why you suddenly start to believe it. So it's, it is a shame. That's well, and I think it'll be interesting to see how we react to a defeat because you feel like we, we, we will lose a game, I think. Yeah, you know, unbeaten in 12. It's unlikely for us to go 22 games unbeaten. Yeah, I think. not impossible. Not impossible. It's not, it's not but it's unlikely. We've and done, sim- say, we've done similar. We've done similar. We've done similar since we've been down here, haven't we? We had a run of about 20 games unbeaten um, under Jack Ross uh, because yeah. we only lost, like we'd only lost about three games until April in, in the season. So, um, Yeah, but what we don't want to be doing is drawing it. <laughs> oh, no. Well, well, I'd say we'll draw half now. Yeah. Win, win five, draw five. Like, you know, that's there's your, there's your two points a game. But, I mean, it's interesting you look at the fixtures. We've got Hull midweek on the 20th of April. Um, and it feels like after that, we've got Accrington, Blackpool, Plymouth, and Northampton for our last four games. We might be we might be coming out of that whole game with an idea going, right, we are going to go up here. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Once we get rid of the, the next six games, it probably contain the toughest fixtures. And then, you know, once we've got them out of the way, Easter weekend, it so often yeah. makes or breaks people's promotion. Yeah, runs, in three weeks, it? in three weeks' time, we're near, near enough three weeks' time, we play Hull, and we'll have played six games by then, which is, uh, you well, know, that's, and quite an intense period yeah. of games. I mean, the 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 midweek has come back from that. Well, we've we've got chant on the tenth, and then we've just got midweekers until the last week of the season. So between the 10th of April and the 1st of May, we play seven games. Um, so there's quite a few games in there, and that th- seven games in that three weeks. So, But I like that. I, I think when you're winning, it's good to have... The, I know that we've discussed earlier on the pod that, yeah, it's been good to have the break just to... Because now we've got more games left and we're going to have our squad fatter, fatter and fitter. Um, so now we've got now, if you get everybody back, I mean, sure, injuries will probably happen between now and the end of the season. We've just got to hope there's no real bad ones. Like if White got injured or something like that, you know what I mean? It's like, that's... Yeah, well... <laughs> Yo, McGeady got injured like he did under Ross. You know, I mean, that, that's... That in, a problem. You know, yeah. I mean, McGeady getting injured against, you know, we beat Acton 3-0 um, after the Checker trade final. McGeady breaks his foot that night. And after that, yeah. it kind of all kind of went to pot, didn't it? Really, it's a good point, actually. I mean, Wyke hasn't even he hasn't scored in the last couple. Um, and he's a book his own ideas up. No, well, <laughs> I, I was I was going, but it hasn't it hasn't hampered us as us as no. such. I mean, he had chances. You, you you know, we did create openings, and and he was unlucky with a couple of yeah, efforts. Really, he was. Yeah, but you're right. If I mean. I think him and O'Brien work very nicely in tandem with one another. Now, John, I thought Ross Stewart, he had a, a really good debut and he obviously notched. I think he's looked a little bit, you know, not quite the same since. And I'm not sure yeah. he, he would offer. I'm not I'm having a go at him because he's got time to grow into, into the squad and he's obviously going to come off the bench more than he's going to start. However, if, if White did pick up a knock and you were asking him to do White's role, I'm not sure he's the city. Wike's a battering ram of a forward. He's got a different feel about him. To we've Stuart, not, right? we've I, not I, seen I, it. We've I, not I seen him have a go th- like through them through that no. through the middle or like Wike plays. He played. That's true. He came on and played from the left. He did on on he did. Saturday, and then obviously he came on 
in that Accrington game where it was basically just like, I mean, we've just been too much long ball stuff in the in the last few weeks. Of, you know, it's not at all. We've been, I wouldn't say we've been drawn into it. It's just like obviously against Accrington, it was a practical thing. We had to go that yeah. way, but it felt as though on Saturday the ball was in the air far too much. They're for, pressing. It was their pressing, wasn't it? They just got in our faces. And I mean, we had a couple of heavy moments, didn't we? I mean, when Winchester just belted the ball off O'Nine's face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were, that wasn't the only one. It's just the most obvious one. Uh, but I mean, I think it was telling that a player like Carl Winchester to quote Matthew Keeling, <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't have his best game on the weekend. Uh, and I think the fact that it was him and Scowan in the midfield. We just lacked that element of control um, that we've had in previous games. And again, part of that might be because O'Brien's coming to the side. Uh, but also, I think somebody like Ledbetter, uh, yeah, he's maybe not as mobile, but he does give you that control. And, and I think he is going to be instrumental in the game probably against Peterborough. Now watch him not start that game after I've said that. <laughs> but he feels like a player for that game to me. Even though their pitch is a horrendous mess. I like what he brings to the team in terms of you just notice when he comes onto the pitch, it's different, isn't it? He's just steady, calms it down. Scowan, I know I mentioned him earlier and I know a lot of people aren't a big fan of him, but I do understand why he plays him. Um, and I don't think he did have the best game, to be honest, on the weekend, though. But he can rotate it. He's got, he's got other mm. options and he's going to soon have defenders coming in hopefully this yeah. weekend and he's going to have even more options in midfield yeah. it'll be interesting to say we rotate over the two game over the over the East two weekend because um it's almost like he's been leading up to this because he's he's not been scared to rotate and yeah. put people in and, and move things around and now it's almost like what does he do when he gets two games in such a short space of time and all teams are in the same boat you know they've all got to find a way to manage it but it'd be interesting to say do you see like two very different Looking teams, I'm quite interested to see how that goes. I, mean, I guess, I guess the second one's also dictated by the result of the first one in a way as well. Yeah, it's, it's it's uh, amazing to think that those defenders come back, and if we're saying, you know, O'Brien's like nailed on in that kind of kind of ten position, that means you've got two places, and you've got potentially if when the defenders come back, you've got the option of Power, Winchester, Scone or nine, and Ledbetter all available to play in those two positions. I mean, pick two pick two from them in, in any situation, and you've got a more than competent, um, you know, centre midfield two for this division. Um, you know, Not so completely. It, 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 it should be. I mean, you could also, I know I've been banging on and saying how important O'Brien is, and I do believe that he is, but in some of these games where you might want a little bit more measure yeah. of control, you can go three. And yeah. look what we did to Doncaster with three. Yeah. If you've got the right midfield three with yeah. someone who's getting close to uh, Wyke, that's an option. Yeah, put all, you could put, put on all nine in that space if you want Absolutely. to. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels as though we've been taught about players coming back for ages because as soon as one comes back in, they either get injured again or somebody else gets injured. So... Yeah. <laughs> You know, we might be talking about on Saturday something, you know, something else not quite going for us. But, you know, if, if everything aligns, I mean, if you can keep that group together, a, a fully fit squad with the options we've got available until that whole game and when we've got the harder games, get them out of the way with that group, you could have done the damage by then anyway. I mean, we could go on a, on a run here where we win like three the next five or something like that, and you'd be like, great. I mean, I, I, speaking of like run-ins and runs, I had another go at the predictor and just instead, I just made it less. I just thought, right, what if we lost against Hull and Peterborough? But I just predicted our scores. I just let the algorithm do the other teams. And I still ended up with us on 87 points, so I must have just put more wins than draws. Maybe I took the draw away from Plymouth and had us beat them or something. And it still didn't have Peterborough or Hull getting enough. Even if they beat us, it didn't think they would finish above us. And I wasn't being like absurdly optimistic. It wasn't like, oh, we've won every other game and lost those two. Now I know it's just an algorithm and it's just a prediction, but 
even a computer doesn't think these teams are that good. I, yeah. I just feel like we're in such a position, like you say, with these players to come back, even if you do pick up your odd other knock, even, God forbid, it's, it's Wyke who gets injured. We've been scoring goals from other places. It hasn't yeah. just been him. He would be a huge loss. McGeady as well, of course. But we found a way. How many of us thought, we, we, we thought when we were down to 9 at centre-back that this would come unstuck? And we've been keeping clean sheets. It's incredible. I mean, Hull might have an advantage in some ways because they've only got one midweek game now to yeah, the end of the season. Played, played yeah. Yeah. So the pressure's on now because every point dropped for them. Yes. As you know, it, it, it's... Significant. Yeah, and they're drawing is. with crap yeah. teams now. I mean, I mean Gillingham got, are yeah. awkward, but they've drawn Gillingham with him as a Shrewsbury. Well. Gillingham are playing well, to be fair. But they drew with Shrewsbury yeah, before they that. They're not... Well, that's the wrong time uh, to start drawing games, isn't it? They've got crew. That's they've a tough crew one. crew on Friday, so... Um, they've got us and Lincoln in the same week. So... I personally don't see Oxford. I know, like, this will be more for the lads to talk about on the preview. Uh, show mid middle middle of the week, but um, I I don't really look at Oxford and think that's a predictable hugely team difficult unpredictable game. team. Oxford, they win, yeah. they win some, they beat some of the teams at the top when you're not expecting it, and then lose to the teams at the bottom. Don't they? very but, hard to judge. Will should we should we um, have a quick break and then come back and talk? Yeah, no, about, we haven't done any break, have we? And talk about. Um, uh, what happened at the, not that any of us were there, but um, <laughs> we'll reflect on the minutes that have been shared and published uh, regarding the fans groups uh, meeting the new owner. Okay, welcome back to the Wise Men's Here podcast. 12th of April, lads, is that a date etched in anybody's brain? Yes. <laughs> I, that, I really think yeah. that didn't was good. That wasn't going to work there. That link. No, yeah, my brain's just uh, been completely <laughs> fried. I think over the last few weeks, and uh, I just blanked. But I, I am I'm going to have a bit of time off. I think that week, and uh, I wonder why that could that could be enjoyable. Well, remind people, remind people, Gareth, who might have had a, a bit of a mind blank why the 12th of April is significant, and what they can do in preparation for that special day. <laughs> well, you can head over to fromtheterraces.co.uk um, and uh, use the code WMS10 uh, to get 10% uh, 10% off your entire basket of products. So when you've got your full, so you're going to have, have a full regalia, obviously, for when you're for FTT regalia for your um, return to the beer garden. Uh, make sure you Invest your money wisely in that and go over to um, from the terraces.co.uk and utilize the code WMS10. Get your shorts, get your polos all ready, everything. ready everything. for the beer garden. Uh, the beer garden's opening on the 12th of April, a very momentous day in the history of British culture. Well, in some ways, British feels culture. Like it. Yeah. yeah. It's well. called, like, yeah. I mean, look, even if you're not going to a beer garden immediately, because, you know, they're going to be very busy and it uh, might be difficult to get in. The fact it's just a signal that, you know, with the, how great the vaccine rollout's been and all the numbers are coming down and everything that you want to see, it's just like we are pushing towards hopefully a summer of freedom, I suppose, if I want of a better word. So even if you don't get, you should get them for the 12th of April. And then if you can't get in a beer garden, get yourself out in the summer. Yeah, do it. Use the discount code WMS10 and get yourself 10% off. Right. So the minutes have been published for a recent meeting that um, the new owner, we just, are we just going KLD? Are we abbreviating his name? That's a dumb thing in 2021, isn't it? Yeah, everyone given his, 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 his full name. Um, where Ren White Army, of course, something you should, we, we always encourage people to just sign up to that group. And he has, you know, initially said that they're going to meet three or four times a year, which is great because that had dried up under yeah. the previous regime for obvious reasons, perhaps. Um, and he wants to be transparent about everything. And any anything that, that stood out in that, from my point of view, selfish point of view, somebody who's interested <laughs> in, in in events and marketing, and is a bit like a sort of dog with a bone with is really is is 
I like how hey, you know, when when Michael Love, who obviously is our um, elected rep, isn't he, um, for the for the red and white, our rep for the red and white army for the Wiseman here, and I'd suggested to him I would really like them to to start thinking about how to target certain demographics who aren't going to the game anymore. Uh, for example, reclaiming Durham, which was stolen from us by the Mugs under Kevin Keegan, <laughs> and. I thought it was really interesting. They said they've always started to do that, and they've always oh, started right. to look yeah. at the data to see where, where, and who the fans are, and stuff like that. And the other ones to make it, to try and make the demo of a, of a, of an event, and try to get people there earlier, and try and get people mm. to steer there later. Which is it's just words at the minute, but I, I was encouraged about that really from a long term strategy. Any of you see anything that jumped out at you? I didn't read them yet, so I'm useless. <laughs> well, you could have told us up. You could have told us that when I said we were going to talk about this. And there was Greg, no moment have... to interject. I was hoping you would reveal something interesting. Before which we you started, just have, re- you know? before we I started could... recording, I said we would do it. No, because there's still things that can be talked about. Because clearly you've read them, and I'm assuming Gareth has. But uh, maybe yeah, but I had a, a thumb through. I mean, it was yeah, fine. I mean, it was pretty. Um, it's words, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. it's no, nothing I mean, you wouldn't expect them to say. Really, it was a certain contrast to the last meeting um, mm. that took place. Thing would have been nice to have seen some acknowledgement there. I know that you can't go over the past, and but I think like what happened in that meeting was, you know, very poor, and there should have been some sort of acknowledgement, you know, by way of you know, saying, you know, moving forward now, we, we don't want a situation where. It becomes yeah, fractious, you know, in, this, in these sorts of environments because it's it's not the purpose, it's not what they're for. Um, but yeah, it was pretty. It was just you know, like the usual sort of questions, you know, about the food and drink and all that kind of thing. Apparently, the contracts ended with the food and drinks company, and they're bringing it in house, whatever that means. So, so if that means they're going to make it all themselves. Well, can or you remember? Probably source. It's probably a mixture of making themselves or sourcing yeah. local companies. Well, it just means you're tied down to a, a contract of a very well-known um, food company that also serves a lot of other big institutions in the area and have a reputation for being overpriced and low well, quality. Well, I was going to say, can you remember? In my we, opinion. Well, we, we we talked. Well, we went to that. Can you remember we went to that thing where they did the yeah, I think you that. went to that. I didn't go to that, but you did. Yeah, did that you was not a while come? ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it, was a long, it was under before Donald and Yeah, Nestle. it was, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they did try these things where they had different beers on offer and, and you know, there was like, you got to score all the different beers and all that. And then ultimately, they just rolled out the standard stuff and whatever it tasted like when you were there on the night in Quinn's Bar, it didn't taste like that in the stadium. So if they're going to bring it in, maybe that means they can have more of a duty of care over the quality of product in terms of dictating maybe a a bit more about, you know, it it just hasn't been a quality product in the stadium. It just feels like miserable outsourced crap that no one really wants. Even if you're a fan of that type of lager or pie or whatever it is, it doesn't feel like something I'm going to go, go to the stadium an extra half an hour early, soak up the atmosphere because I know I can have a lovely, delicious pint of flat coors. Yeah. Like, no, Overpriced. there needs to be something done. Yeah, yeah the need and th- those two things go together that you've mentioned there. So when you've said getting people in early, staying later, and also doing something about the catering, they, they dovetail. So it's a perfect opportunity for them to experiment and put a put a mark on it because other clubs. Like Brighton have got different things going on in their ground, haven't they? Where they have like a locally, is it them who do the locally sourced ale for the away fans or something like that? They have like an ale from, or, I don't know. There's this fans, there's different initiatives at different grounds. A lot of them are just like our shite. But, you know, why don't we be the ones who do something unique for once? In a yeah. good way, unique, not bad way, unique I guess, for once. you know, for, for all the, you know... <laughs> modern football criticism and that some modern venues kind of get. I mean, obviously not being to Tottenham yet. Yes, um, good shout. Forgot about Tottenham. You look, you look at, you know, Wembley is a great example yeah. of, so, sorry, like the off, the offering at Wembley when you go is fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's like you, you might, you're not even in a football stadium. I know I'm not, I'm not saying like we, we should, you know, cause it's a different level. I mean, it's a completely different thing, but, 
it's almost like you you could be in like a shopping center almost yeah. um but the variety in, in terms of the, the food that's on offer the and, and the beer you know they've got like dedicated you know like got, they've got like a camden hells yeah. bar in there and things great, like that it? and all that kind of stuff now i'm not saying you could you can <laughs> you could small scale you know achieve similar things um you know, at the stadium of light, but more locally, Gareth, here's an example for you because you're in your cricket. When I've been to see England at Durham, there's um, often a series of so there's the main bars where you get the kind of your bog standard tetleys mm. and whatnot, but then they'll have like little ones that yeah. do a bit magic, magic rock and stuff. Like, um, there's no reason you can't, if you then in house it, which is what they're going to do, have the odd stall, yeah. Or even have a mobile one in certain sections of the stadium. You could have one in each corner, for example, that does something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and it, that's something, I know it's England, so it's not Durham, but an England crowd at a Durham game is more uh, comparable to a Sunderland crowd at a Mind Sunderland game. When we, went, when we went to the, the T20 at Durham the other year, there was that... Um, Mobile bar, remember? There was. You're right. They had all sorts. They had all sorts on there. We, you know, we, You're right. we went yeah, there. Yeah, I forgot about that. We went I did there forget most, about that. most times. I forgot um, about that. So they it'll be interesting if they were going to invest in in, in the change in the stadium anyway, which is quite you know, in some ways not. It's you know, it's not a new stadium anymore. You know, it's it's yeah, yeah people no. still You're people right. who went to Roger Park think it's a new like we still think of our in the new ground the stadium. Uh, you need you still never call it the stadium. You like you, you call it the stadium, and um, <laughs> it will be interesting to see how much they were going to invest in stuff like that. Because when you go to grounds like Man City and Arsenal, they've got, and 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 this is not you know not from my experience as an away fan. This is when through work I've been to events there, mm-hmm. and you know that means you, you get a good look at how the stadium is for the home fans then, and they've got bars in there. <laughs> Like proper mm. bars in there, not to, mm. not a bar in a in a in a sort of concourse area, you know, where the wind's still blowing in through all the turnstile yeah. doors and stuff like that. They've actually got rooms that are bars and are yeah. made out and done out like bars. So when you go there, you feel like you're in a pub. Exactly, they're like yeah. Quins, I suppose, but yeah. like on a yeah, but they're in the concourse. Yeah, yeah. more more like yeah. Yeah. that's what it's like. That's what it was like at Wembley um, yeah. on the middle tier. If you go there, it was like it was basically just like. Like these just gigantic pubs, um, it was brilliant. Um, and they've got the land around the stadium to build their own bloody pubs as well. If they want, yeah. like little little things as well. I'm going off on a massive tangent here. No, um, it's not. I think this is a like, good time. Even, to talk even about little stuff. even little things like you know, like and it is frustrating when we are one of the clubs. There's a few clubs where the fans, for whatever reason, don't get in in time for kickoff, and it does get annoying at times and leave early. You know, there's no reason why they shouldn't have a you know. To try and have an agreement with the pubs in Sunderland where you have like a ban on, on when you can get so like last orders will be like 20 to 3 or something like that as well that's no chance there's no yeah. chance they're going to do well, that I don't know I don't know I think your know, communication could get you a long way I, I wouldn't be surprised and then in, in return like the you know that I don't know there'll be something the club got off of the pubs to, to make that kind of deal in the grand scheme of things at half hour a 20 minute blackout isn't gonna isn't gonna make that much of a difference. There, there are little things like that. I'll build their own bloody pubs in, in around the ground because they own the land anyway, or they own well, some it, of yeah, the land. Yeah, that would anyway. be excellent. Yeah, like well, we talked about this when, or we I think we did, but when um, the uh, Americans were interested in buying a club, there was obviously a lot of talk about sheepfolds development and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of potential because there's loads of land there that could be, you know, things could be done with it. Um, and the idea of having some kind of pub or pubs, people pile into the Hilton for a pint. Yeah, totally. So that what... should have showed them. That should have showed them all of it. You know, mm. like it does. You get it, but well, you've got to be careful, Andy, because when we're talking about like you know having having mobile bars in the ground and stuff, I still just don't think that kind of appeals as much to somebody. And that's why, like, you just the actual pubs with pub fields either inside or outside the ground. And 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 honestly, and you, you do you could put a twenty minute ban uh, window on not serving drinks. I think people feeding into the bigger picture and the wider community and helping someone. I think I think they'll be interested in that. I wouldn't mind, even as it's set up now. I mean, obviously, one thing that they can't affect 
I mean, the could collectively in a football league is we can't drink in the stands. I mean, I was watching Holland on the weekend there or whenever they played against Latvia and there's people in the stands with paint in the hand. That would make a huge difference. Of course it would. So someone can't do anything about that on their own and it's a conversation for another well, day. But you know what, in, in, a wider, in the wider context of football and, you know, that picture's changing slightly, not with the drinks, but obviously with, uh, certainly with the real seating coming in. Yeah, so that was, Tottenham yeah. have done it and yeah. Man City, they're going to convert an area into real seating there. Yeah. So it's on the South way. Stand. You never South know. Stand. They should be. They should yeah. just do that with a whole it's South on, stand. It's on the way, and it feels as though now as well we've got like the opportunity, um, to, you know, financially, it sounds like they're very keen on investing in these sorts of improvements. So you would have thought if the opportunity comes for, to have that, get that real seating in, you know, and that'll make a difference. And I think as soon as that becomes normalised, you might start to see a return, <coughs> excuse me, of an opportunity of people being able to go and, you know, go and take drinks to the seats. Or well, because the... it changes so much about the uh, the way people move throughout the stadium at different points of the game. Yeah. If you were allowed to do that, people would be a lot more willing to get into the ground 10, 15 minutes before kickoff to buy a drink also, because then you can just go to your seat with go it. Go to your seat. God, that would be, that would be the, the routine that, most people who have a drink at the match would do. Absolutely. Because at the, at the minute, you've got you currently either pushing your luck with the time, let's get another one in at 20 to 3 in whatever bar you're in, and then you're heading to the ground, and then by the time you get in, you're missing the first five minutes or whatever. Or you get into the ground, you're like, let's go and have one in the ground, and you get into the ground for yeah. 20 to 3, and you find one there. No, you're 10 to yeah, Sorry, yeah. You're rushing it up. What about 10 to 5 2? Let's try, let's try and squeeze one in. So it would become the routine. You'd be like, let's go and one have in the, in, in the ground, and you would get the ground for 10 to 5 2, but you would take a drink of the seat, and you wouldn't miss it. It would make a massive difference. And, and you know, it's interesting as well, because, and again, this is not Sunderland's problem. It's, it's obviously a, a government thing, but, you know, it, it's, it's such an sort of outdated approach to things based on when England had a massive hooliganism problem in the 70s and 80s and missing the point clearly that I've been to watch England in a lot of countries and you can drink in most of those grounds and England yep. fans do drink in most of those grounds and you don't see them you know, kicking off. You've got any trouble that's reporting England games now don't happen in the grounds. It's different groups of lads being idiots in 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 bars in the city centre like days before and stuff. So, you know... I, I it, think it's... Well, look, the, the idea that you can that that restricting your ability to drink while sitting in a seat or standing in a terrace is somehow going to make you more or less drunk during the course of the event is just patently absurd. Because people, if they want to, can get absolutely obliterated in three hours before a game. Whether you've got a pint in your hand when you're at your seat or not. Is I mean, I don't even know really what they're holding on to this kind of thing for at this point. It just seems crazy to me. But, you well, know, it, that's it, the way it is. Yeah, well, the crazy, the, the crazy aspect of it, you, it's like you can't drink in view of the pitch. Well, so that's what I mean. It's nuts. Like, but like that whole, you know, there's a hotel at Norwich where do you're not allowed to drink, you're not allowed to that's... pour the alcoholic drinks to your room, but it, if you turn if your windows in view of the pitch because it's, it breaks it breaks yeah, a law. It's I mean, this is why like introducing new laws, generally speaking, is stupid because they always have unintended consequences. And like they're just it's just it's just clearly a stupid idea. Because you can, like you say, not only can you go abroad and booze in this in a stand, I could go to cricket, rugby, I don't know about other sports, but they're two outdoor spectator sports. Yeah, you can go and have a drink in the stand, and, and yeah, the, maybe the, the atmosphere you get at the cricket matches. I know. It's constant because people are just having a good time constantly throughout. But this is a it's conscious of it. Is anybody yeah, listening to this? On, who, we've gone yeah, on a bit if, about. If, well, he, he is one. There. If there's anyone, if there's anyone listening to this who doesn't drink, there. Well, he, he is another like one. Twenty not, minutes of this has been a write off. Um, all right, not boozy then. What about and if this won't have been in the minutes. I know that, but how would people feel about a change of badge? Out of interest, because no. I'm just putting it out there. Because Man City changed to a shield style badge, I think around about the same time we did. It was terrible think, as well. And I think they've changed it twice yeah. since. 
to a much more few old clubs have, yeah. Yeah, and I wonder whether it's very we're very much it's it's a nineties style again, isn't it? The the the, the badge the, the new badges in the nineteen nineties that people went for does look outdated a bit, doesn't it? I think I'd, it's I'd go back to the the original, that's what I'd go back to. But... Well, depends oh, which original oh, you mean. Oh, oh, well, the ship, the, the... Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, I was the thinking that myself. Badge. I was thinking that myself and I was thinking maybe or a, an acknowledgement to that. So yeah. have that ship prevalent somewhere in a, in a similar kind of way, but maybe freshen it up in a, in a, in a way. I'd be interested, maybe we'll put a poll out on Twitter and say... No, I was you thinking... You haven't even mentioned the season tickets yet. Yeah. Yeah, well, quickly then, because we've, we've, yeah, we've okay. went on and on and on. That's it. Just talk. Just put an end to my badge talk. Get into your area no, there, Brandon and Mark. <laughs> what I've said, Craig, is we'll put a, we'll put a poll out, so you yeah, can do well, that. We'll I would like to... So I would, I would be up for a change of badge, personally, as well. Yeah. I think... I thought the, you would be, otherwise you wouldn't have brought that up. No, because you know, it's... You know, like, what would people think about a change of badge and then like no but i might have just said it. well i think it's a terrible idea no but it's worth discussing because i think it is one of those things where branding whether you're, you, you people don't like to think about football badges branding but i look at man city's branding for example right and i think it's generally brilliant it's really clean it's nice now if you're talking about a massive just trying to change things at a football club i think that's one of the ways you can weirdly it does it can attract supporters it can. Branding can can make a difference in terms of the way your club looks and feels. That's why you're saying you've got to go and reclaim Durham. There's lots of things you can That's do. Exactly. In the stadium, what you're talking about, the way you know, the stadium you, you, looks slowly, and feels. You know, Sunderland is Durham's club, and it always has been. So um, anyway, onto the yeah. season tickets. I'll move on from yeah, there. You can buy I, them I just, now. You know, yeah, just go buy them. <laughs> I, I think, like, at the end of the day, you, you know, we were always going to get a, we were always going to get a, an increase at some point, it's not a massive increase, it's 10%. And I think the fact that, you know, we, we've got to show, we've got to show our trust in these in these new people coming in because they're investing a lot of money. It's not like they're new people who come in and there's concerns about how they're going to fund the club and how they're going to, you know, they the, the can't fund the day-to-day running of the club because they've shown straight away initially that they're going to invest in it. And mm-hmm. I think that's where they maybe deserve our return of that faith, well, I think. I must say, I did not buy my season ticket last season because you know it was just it would have just been silly right in my for my financial situation or whatever given I couldn't go to games it wouldn't it wouldn't have been the right thing to do when I got the email today and it said the cost of your season ticket will be 340 pound I'm thinking it was if that means it was even cheaper than that the last time I bought it and I know we're in league one but I was thinking you know what 340 pounds quite quite reasonable I've got to be honest I, I don't think in modern context, that's a that's a really extreme amount of money. And I know other areas of the ground will be more expensive. But 340, you know, if we if we do fingers crossed go up, that, that doesn't seem bad to me for championship football. 23 games. Don't know what you think. No, I think I think that generally we we've got the, the season tickets price and right. Um Whoever has been in charge of the club since we moved to the stadium, um, it's barely gone up. It's about the same as it was when the stadium opened, I think. I mean, it doesn't feel as though it's ever really it's not, changed. No, um, not much. So, yeah. Um, okay, I, think, but- I, think, I think if you like, if you want to be... If, if you want... Some people might be a bit, well... I don't know, like, the kind of way it's been, like leaked out that the season tickets are going on sale mm. on Monday is odd because like a lot of people wouldn't maybe known about it and obviously the start of the campaign up to day mm. but it still feel like it's it's weird like because you're used to getting the thing through the door and yeah. in the information whereas it seems to have been done in a reverse almost um, yeah but I think especially if the early bird pricing finishes what 13th of April think it would have been good to maybe send people some information about when, they, in, in when the it post. was going to, maybe in the you know they sent that letter out they could have you know um, they, you yeah. could have put that information on the on the letter um yeah so that might look a bit dodgy saying thanks for your support i want you to get behind us by the way i'm putting your season ticket up but i even just the date just no the no no yeah I, I, just the no, dates I, go on I, sale I, I and agree. how you can buy yeah. it no i so, i agree i agree I would, one thing sooner one thing that there is, I think, and I don't know how other clubs are doing this. Now, I just said I didn't renew because I didn't want to pay however much it would yeah. have worked out right, per game for a stream. 
when I could have just paid £10 per game per stream. Yeah. Some people, you know, loyal, loyal to a fault, have renewed their season tickets. They've watched the streams. So for their loyalty, they have paid more money than I have on a game-by-game basis. They're not seemingly getting any kind of reimbursement. Yeah, I don't that, think that's I right. That, I, I don't that think that's right. So give us, give us some money, is what you're saying. I am, Steve. It's great because that you're in that position because I'm not, and other people I know are. And it's good to hear that you are because I, if I was in your position, I've been watching games for cheaper than you. You might have other people in your household who've done the same same thing with renewals. I don't know. Other people might have renewed, and you then well out of pocket compared yeah. to someone like me. So your loyalty is not being rewarded because I've got the same email as you about renewing my season ticket and I never and I never showed loyalty. Well, I don't think that's the right way to put it about loyalty, but you did renew. Surely there's a reward for that. Surely there's something they've got to give you back for that. Otherwise, well, I feel like you've just been... Well, I, guess, I guess I'd argue the terms and conditions were stipulated at point of purchase. And, and but come on, it's and, a but you're eat, but, yeah, but at the same time, you, you know, you could, you know, pay for the stream separately and don't activate the cause with your card. Yeah, which is basically what I did. And then get a refund, and then just get a refund. But but my point would be that you've kind of one of the people who's dedicated yourself to it, and. You've, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right to me that the supposedly in inverted commas most loyal oh, have uh, um, have <laughs> Stephen's Steven, just disappeared. Gone. That's what gone. So we'll we'll finish. I guess finish on that point. And I just think there's an opportunity there for the club to maybe you know if you like you've just said about sending a letter out and then not wanting to add an addendum about what your price are going up ten percent. Well, here's a letter about your loyalty and whatnot. And, and I'm getting exactly the same email as someone who's just paid full whack last season, and I didn't pay full whack last season. Don't know. Just yeah. does, doesn't seem right. Doesn't yeah, I know seem what you right. Mean. I think that's that's fair. Well, might as well leave it there then, because Stephen's just gone. Don't know. He's what had he's enough. Done. Yeah, he's, of us. That he thought he, of... he thought he was rubbing it in. That he's you know getting there. Uh, he's been uh, ripped off for paying uh, for a season ticket last year. He's paid for um, their Stuart Donald to have a, a lovely time, and I didn't. So yeah. Oh, he's oh, back. Wait, he's back. Oh, it's an empty chair. Back. He's back. It's, he's empty. Yeah, what on Oh, he's coming back with his seat. He's going to finish up. Right, we're finished. What are you doing? It, me, me, me Wi-Fi just totally just dropped, and everything just oh, crashed. Yeah. Well, I've just oh, well. Uh, we're still just continued for a refund. Right. So you can yeah. it still recording now, so we'll have still. Re- it said recording yeah, all yeah, through yeah. it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you'll have to. This isn't been edited out, Stephen. So, you know. Yeah. This was really weird, though. You had? Yeah. I'm not going to edit that out, like, so, you know. No, I know. It was excellent. It was me. Rallying yeah. the call. Rallying call for yeah. the year. Are we done now, though? Yeah, we, we are, are done. done, yeah. Right. Just, we'll have to just, be. Listen just, to this. This shambles. It. Yeah. It's like, it's like it, the Abbey Road tapes or something, except three people not making, like, music.